Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today we are back again with my boyfriend, Michael, for the third edition of the short stories. Hello, Michael. Hello, back for round three. Maybe I'll actually get it this time. Yeah, baby. <laughs> third time's the charm, right? Exactly. You're learning the tricks of the trade. You know how to think. No, nah, don't give me too much credit. I have a good feeling. Okay. <laughs> you want to... um. Keep expectations low. Yep. Set the bar low. Okay. There's nowhere but up. Okay. This book or this short story is called The Third Floor Flat. And it's from, I think it's from the short story book Poirot's Early Cases. So mm -hmm. the book was like put together and published in 1974, but the stories were written much earlier. Gotcha. Cool. Okay. Let's get into it then. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. Okay. So this story starts out with, we're getting introduced to the characters right away. And their names are, it's like a, it's a group of young people that have been out on the town for the night. So their names are Patricia Garnett, Jimmy Faulkner, Donovan Bailey, and Mildred Hope. So I'll just go by all their, their first names. Okay. Patricia. Patricia, Jimmy, Donovan, Mildred. Um, and Patricia goes by the nickname Pat. Okay. So they're kind of standing outside Pat's apartment and it's, there's a problem. They can't find Pat's key or Pat can't find her own key in her handbag. Okay. Yeah. She starts by accusing Donovan of having the key, but both Donovan and Jimmy say like, yeah, we had it for like a brief minute, but like we returned it to you. And both of them kind of corroborate, corroborate that story. And so they end up deciding that it must have like fallen out of her pocket at some point. So how are they going to get into the apartment? And what they decide to do is there's a, this is like an old fashioned apartment. So there's like a coal lift that goes down into the basement where okay. the they could shovel coal into like this like little elevator thing and then lift it up to your apartment where you would come out in the kitchen. Okay. If that, if that makes sense. Like a, a dumbwaiter, yeah. I guess, for food, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they go, they're able to get into like, I guess the lobby or the main building, just not into her apartment. So they go mm -hmm. down into the basement and Jimmy and Donovan both agree that they'll go in together. And I think how it works is they get in and then there's like a rope that they're able to pull on, like a chain or something that pulls them up. Okay. So they get up, they get up to a certain floor and they're kind of count. They haven't been, I think it's like Donovan hasn't been counting the floors and Jimmy's like, oh, don't worry, I've got it. We're at the third floor now. We just need to go up one more. So they get to the fourth floor and open the latch. Luckily, the this kind of door normally would lock. And so if this was Michael's house, Michael would have definitely locked the door. But Pat, clearly very much more careless, has left the left, left the, the door unlocked in the kitchen. Wow. Risk taker. <laughs> so that, which is, I guess, handy if you want to break into your own apartment. So Donovan tells Jimmy not to move because the lights are off and they don't want to bang into anything. And he'll go turn on the light switch. And... He says, oh, the one, the light switch in the kitchen is broken. I'm just going to go into the sitting room and get that one. So as he's moving around, he kind of keeps bumping into everything and like making a mess and like kind of like calling out like, ow, stub my toe, like that kind of thing. Right. And he's kind of saying, because everything seems to be in the wrong place. But luck so finally he gets the light switch, flicks it on, and they both immediately realize that they're in the wrong apartment. This yeah. is not Pat's apartment, which, you know, makes sense for something to happen. Who didn't see that coming? 
<laughs> so they look at, they kind of look down on the dining room table. There's like a pile of letters and see that it's Mrs. Ernestine Grant's apartment. And that's, so it kind of, it clues into them that they must just be on the wrong floor. And they think, oh, we must have counted the basement as one when we should have been counting it as zero. So we must just be one floor too low. Mm-hmm. So they hop back into the cool shoot elevator thing and move up one floor. So they get the get the kitchen latch open, get the lights on, and they go up and open the door to the hallway where the girls are waiting for them. And they kind of go like, oh, that took you a while. But they kind of laugh it off. And they, so they tell the girls what had happened, that they had by accident gone to the wrong apartment. And Pat says it's a good thing that the lady didn't catch them because she had just gotten a note, like um, a note had been passed under her door earlier that day saying that the woman, Mrs. Ernstein, wanted to talk to her. So she's like, that's good because I didn't want to add another thing to the list of why she wants to talk to me. Yeah, yeah. So then they kind of turn around and notice that Donovan's hand is covered in blood. So he washes his hand, but they kind of realize that the only place the blood, it's, he doesn't have a cut on his hand. So they're like, where did this blood come from? It must be from the apartment downstairs. And so they right. kind of, they're like, okay, let's go check it out. So both Donovan and Jimmy get back into the coal chute and they go down to the floor below them to kind of check out what's going on, like what had happened. And so they go back into the sitting room, but they don't see anything. Like nothing looks out of the ordinary. Nothing's bloody. Like they can't find where the blood would have come from. So that's weird. And suddenly Jimmy sees a woman's foot poking out from beneath the curtains. Hmm. And they, they go and open them up. And there was kind of an alcove behind the curtains in front of the window where there is a body. I see. So Donovan tells Jimmy to stay with the body. And he runs up to Pat's flat to call the police. I'm not exactly sure why they couldn't use the phone in the flat, but maybe they didn't want to touch anything. Maybe that's it. So he goes up, goes up to call the police. And as he's up there, you kind of get this sense that there seems to be like a love interest between Pat and Donovan. Uh, they're kind of just, just on the way they're talking to each other. Okay. So hang on, where was the body found again? In the apartment? Is it relevant where in the apartment the body is found? It's it's behind a curtain, so the like the curtain there was like a well alcove in front of the window, like maybe like I don't know, it was just like a little bit of space, and then the curtains would have been drawn in front of the windows, and the body was behind there, so it was hidden in the sitting room, I guess. Got it. So they've called the police. Maybe the door is open. Donovan's getting ready to go back and join Jimmy downstairs when suddenly. Hercule Poirot arrives and it turns out that Hercule Poirot lives just down the hall or maybe he lives <laughs> one floor up or something like that. Like he lives nearby. <laughs> yeah. How convenient, am I right? Yeah. So the last time you saw Hercule Poirot was Short Stories episode one, where it was the Plymouth Express, like that that murder on the train. Mm-hmm. Right. So he kind of, kind of comes in to offer his assistance. And so... Oh, Donovan hasn't even made the phone call yet. Poirot kind of comes in and is like, yeah, go make that phone call. So he leaves. And Pat and Poirot go down to meet Jimmy and kind of let him know what's going on. So when Poirot kind of, he goes around the apartment just to just check things out. He tries the kitchen light and it turns on right away. So they're like, that's a little weird. And then Donovan comes down to say that the police are on their way and he ask Poirot how the blood could have gotten on his hand since he never went near the window. He's like, I like a table, some of these chairs, sure, but not the window itself. 
and kind of and Poirot points out right away that the tablecloth on the table was red and that there's a darker patch in front of one of the chairs and so he's saying it could have been that if you set your hand on the table you could have gotten the blood on it that way right so let's uh, just back up for a second you said Poirot tries to turn on the kitchen light and it comes on you said that's weird why is it weird uh because when whoever had tried it earlier Donovan didn't really when Donna, like Adonif had tried it earlier when they were there before and it had to come on. He had had to go into the sitting room to turn on that light. Oh, I see. So that's all. It just, it's just one of those things that like, it doesn't, something, has something happened or did he press it wrong or like what, what happened there? Right. And then uh, they didn't, they saw blood on the window, you said, but they couldn't figure out what he would have touched. And then they find, found the red patch on the table. Well, the, the woman has been shot. So she's there. What he's saying is that he didn't go anywhere near the the window. So right. how could he have gotten blood on his hand if he didn't touch the woman? Because the woman was by the window. Right. And Poirot points out that it looks like there's a blood stain on the table, oh, although so not immediately noticeable because the tablecloth. Yeah, because the tablecloth is red. Exactly. I see. So something to point out that the body was moved. I guess is kind of the the instance there. Got it. So the police arrive and the four young people and Poirot go back up to Pat's flat, one one floor above, while the police kind of do their investigation. I'm worried you're going to be like, yeah, so by this point, Poirot already knows who did it. Who do you think did it? I'm worried that's <laughs> so going to be your next sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I've got half a page of notes still. All right, all right, all right. So shortly afterwards, the police come upstairs to hear Jimmy and Donovan's story, like to, to interview them. Okay. And they kind of go through and tell the police what had happened. And I think because Poirot's there, he kind of convinces them to give give a little bit more information. Okay. And so they know that the body was shot with a small pistol and a silencer was used mm-hmm. uh, because they found both of them under the body, like they were left in the apartment. Okay. Then they also know it was the maid's evening out, and she. I think I think they had to wake her up to interview her. She was still sleeping in the apartment because she it was she was like a live-in maid, but what she had come home and hadn't seen the body. She was sleeping this whole time. Yeah, somehow she slept through all of that. Jeez, <laughs> not that wouldn't be you, right? No, I don't know. That's pretty sus. <laughs> Last time it was the maid. <laughs> That's true. Got to keep an eye on her. So the police say they'd woken her up to get her story. And she said the maid had said she'd come in and taken the evening post into the sitting room and set it on the table. But when she'd gone in there, she hadn't actually seen anything. And then she had gone straight to her room and gone to bed. What's the oh, the evening post like the, the paper? Yeah, whatever mail came in the evening. Maybe Got the paper, it. maybe the packages, whatever. Um, I think in this case, it was just oh, the letters. letters. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah, the ones that they had read, that the the two boys had read to find out whose apartment it was. Right. They also know that the death had occurred about four to five hours ago and that a note was found on the body, like in one of the in one of the woman's pockets that right. said, I will come see you this evening at half past seven. SF is the initials on it. Oh, sorry. JF are the initials on it. JF. Yeah. They also know that the gun was wiped with a silk handkerchief because they had found it somewhere else in the apartment. It had been dropped by the, by the, I think the gunman. And there was a name sewn in to the handkerchief. Like it had been, um, 
what's it called monogrammed like what's that called right and the name was john fraser embroidered yeah it had been embroidered on and it was john fraser Mm. jf jf yeah so the police asked the group if they had seen anyone entering the building but pat says they had gone out at seven so they wouldn't have been around at 7 30 they had already been at, like gone out to their movie and dinner whatever they were going out to do that night and then Poirot kind of asks again because the police know who he is and yada 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 he asks them if he can have the key to other apartments that he can do his own investigations later and they have no problem with it they leave it to him and he asks jimmy and donovan if they want to join him because he can tell like you know young people want to have like this is kind of like something a little bit exciting so right. and so they kind of jump at the opportunity and go down with him so what are you what are you thinking about everything so far i don't know i can't really say i have a theory because like i guess i'm a little confused there seems to be a lot of story about the the three like patricia jimmy donovan mildred is never mentioned but i'm assuming she's just with pat the whole time yeah yeah. But I don't, I don't really get the link between this woman being murdered and them yet. Uh, is there is there any points that are a little bit, um, you feel like need more explanation? Um, you're nearing the end of your clues is what I'm assuming. Is that right? Yeah, I am. Hmm. Whose idea was it to go up the coal elevator? I don't remember. I, I didn't write it down. Okay. I don't know if they say. Okay, so they go through her apartment and then... They're like, oh, they see the letters and they're like, oh no, this is the wrong yep. place. And then they leave and then they find the blood and then they go back. Yeah, correct. And then they go to call the police, but they run into Poirot. Yep. Got it. Is there anything else you'd like to theorize on, say, before I keep going? I'm trying to think, like, it kind of seems, I kind of want to see where this, uh, the note thing goes. Like, I'll come see you at 730 JF. And then they find that the guy is yeah. with this. Yeah. Like, is John Fraser an alias for one of these people? Like, what is the significance of mm. the relationship between Donovan and Patricia? Because you mentioned they have, like, a love interest. Mm-hmm. Like, the yeah. the lady, what was her name? Um, Ernstine? Yeah, that's the dead woman. Yeah. Uh, she mentioned that she wanted to talk to Pat about something. Like, was it that she's... Like, mm-hmm. who is this Ernstine person? Like, was she like the landlord or something? And she's trying to evict Pat. And I don't know, Donovan does something or Patricia does. You know what I mean? That's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure she's not the landlord. Um, she's just a tenant. I see. Although that's never specifically brought up, but you don't you don't ever get that um, that feeling from, from the book or from the story. Right. Ernstine lives below Pat, so maybe she's just annoyed with her footsteps or something. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you would tell someone you're annoyed with them, Michael? Send a note that you want to talk to them? No, grab a broomstick and bang the ceiling really hard. (laughs) Part of me feels like it has to be either Jimmy or Donovan just because they're going to investigate with Poirot. Uh I feel like he's going to accuse one of them. Mm. Let's see, let's see. So there's a little little bit more information. So Poirot brings, brings the guys come down with him. They're interested. And he immediately goes to the kitchen to look through the waste bin and he finds what he's looking for, which ends up being like this little tiny bottle. And he gives it kind of like a sniff and says he can't smell anything. He's like, I have a cold and asks Donovan if he'll like sniff it just to see what it is. And Donovan immediately uncorks it, which Poirot kind of tries to go like, no, 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 no. And takes this big sniff and falls over. Oh. And 
Poirot luckily is able to like catch his fall and I think they they lay him down until he wakes up or something like that. And whatever it was, was like it was pretty strong. At this point, Poirot knows what's happened. Of course he does. <laughs> does Michael know what happened though? <laughs> of course Michael doesn't. Okay, so what's the connection between this bottle? I swear if it's the mate again. <laughs> it can't be. There's been no information about her. But who's this JF guy? Mm-hmm. So our our do you want me to go through all the characters? Sure. So we have Patricia Garnett, Jimmy Faulkner, Donovan Bailey, Mildred Hope are the four friends. And then we have Mrs. Ernstine Grant, who's the woman's apartment, and her maid, Poirot, and the police. Jimmy Faulkner? Faulkner, yeah. Faulkner. Gotcha. JF, huh? Hmm. And the handkerchief said um, John Fraser. I see. I swear if Jimmy Faulkner's alias is John Fraser, that's the most garbage alias. You think he could have done better? (laughs) Literally the same initials. (laughs) Where is Mildred in all this? Like, what? Okay, so I'm wondering if I'm wondering why the kitchen thing was unlatched in the first place because it you kind of made it sound like that's commonplace, right? What's commonplace? To have the the coal elevator that what, what's it called? Yeah, dumb oh, uh, like I called it. Yeah, the dumbwaiter is for like food, but yeah, it's, they called it a coal elevator. And then that goes into the kitchen, and then there's some door that's supposed to be latched, right? So. Yeah. If they're normally supposed to be latched, why are they unlatched in this lady's apartment? Like, did somebody do that on purpose? Did somebody escape via that route? Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking in there right now. I'm also trying to figure out the bottle because there's this bottle of like the chloroform or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the woman was shot. So was that bottle used on the on the maid because she was like KO'd for a really long time? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make a connection between the characters that we have and the the evidence and that's what i can't really figure out right now like it was wiped with a silk handkerchief john fraser or jf and they found some note saying that john fraser was supposed to be there at 7 30 yeah but everyone went out at seven o'clock why was the woman moved to the window either that's i can't figure out like she was shot right mm-hmm. and then they moved her yeah good question probably to hide her so was she shot before the maid came home or like was she shot and then the whoever was in the apartment whoever shot her heard the maid coming home and moved her and then so from I don't think they necessarily say when the maid came home but I think from what I understand from like days out and things it was typical for someone to be home for 10 p.m. and I think this might have been around like maybe 10 or 11 when Pat or maybe close to midnight when Pat and them get home uh, and they say the body had been there, like it had been dead. She had been dead for four to five hours. For four to five hours. And they came home at 11. So that would have been before they left. I, I, I'm making up the time. They could have okay, come okay, home okay. later in the night. Gotcha. I don't think it's said in the book when they came home. I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm telling you, we know for sure when the police investigate the body's been, the, per, the woman's been dead for four to five hours. We don't know what time the maid came home, although it's typical for maids of that time period to come home for 10 and we don't know when Pat and friends are coming home, but they were out to dinner and movie. They, they went out at seven. 
you know what time the police came to... I don't have it written down, Michael, so I don't think it was given. I could go get the book, though, and check. No, that's okay. Okay. So I kind of want to say it's not Donovan, because when they go up the coal elevator and they go to turn on the lights, he, he like, bumps into a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah. And he tries the kitchen light, and he doesn't work, and then he tries the other light, and it works. Now, him bumping into a bunch of stuff kind of means, or like, I'm thinking that he doesn't know the layout of the apartment. And because, like, light switches mm-hmm. are probably identical on every apartment in that, like, on that side. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So the light switches are probably in the same place, but the furniture isn't. He bumps into all of it. And if he was the murderer, mm-hmm. he would probably know the layout of the apartment and probably wouldn't bump into a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. Also, when they go to, to and they find that bottle, he smells it and knocks himself out. So unless he's like, unless that's part of his cover, mm-hmm. like why would he do that if he knows what it is? Hey, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I get it. Also, there's mail on the table. And if the woman was shot, yeah. there would probably be blood all over the mail. But uh, these yeah. guys didn't see any blood on the mail. So I think the maid must have come home after the woman was shot. Okay. Maybe I'm overthinking this. Hey, I was right. I found in the book the maid did come home at ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. They they allude yeah, they're alluding to that they're alluding to that the woman was the woman was shot and the maid came home afterwards. Okay. But then at the same time, like they don't really give us any information on they give us zero on Mildred. Yeah. And very little on the other ones. Like background information. Uh-huh. Yeah. The only thing they hint at is that there might be a a relationship between Pat and Donovan. Yeah. I, I, do you want me to just let you keep going until you tell me to stop? Or do you, do you, do you want hints? <laughs> what do you want? Um, yeah, okay. Give me, give me a little hint. Little hint. <laughs> you want a little hint? What do the listeners at home say? You guys want a little hint? I'm kidding. They can't talk. <laughs> nice. I want one. Come on, listeners. Grant me a hint. Um, uh, I would say... Uh, what's a little hint? Wait a minute. So he's got blood on his hand. Donovan has blood on his hand. So when he was bumping into a bunch of stuff, was he moving the body? Like, did he shoot her and then move the body? It, you could, you possibly, but the maid would have seen it then. Unless he's in on it with the maid. What do you mean the maid would have seen it? When the maid came home, she brought the mail into the sitting room. If there was a dead body of her mistress sitting at the table she would have noticed it so the body has to have been moved before the maid got home to be hidden behind the oh so you're saying he couldn't have killed her when they went up and found the body no well or move the body like that no one could have after the maid had been there something has to have happened before the maid so before that the only information we have is that they go out for a night and they lose their keys i guess so yeah i okay my hint is gonna be uh, that note that was found in the dead woman's pocket, maybe question it a little bit more. I'll come see you at 7.30? Yep. Yeah, who the hell is John Frazier? Well, I mean, I'm trying to... So, like, I can think of a reason why it wouldn't be Donovan. Okay. I can't think of a reason why it wouldn't be Jimmy Faulkner, Mildred Hope, or Patricia Garnett. Got it. And, like, I guess the maid had the opportunity to do it, but, like, she's not in the story at all, so I'm kind of assuming it's not her. Mm-hmm. But then if I'm assuming it's not the maid because there's nothing written about her, then I should also assume that it's not Mildred because she's literally, sounds like she's just there for a fluff. Mm-hmm. 
Michael, I think you got to make your final guess. <laughs> not that not that we couldn't sit here all day and you could guess it, but um, I think for the sake of the short story, it is we we shouldn't go on to the hour mark. <laughs> you could just cut out all the sound of my brain trying to figure it out. <laughs> I guess we could. I, I guess I have no idea. I feel like I'm missing something obvious. I think you're doing a good job. Okay, I haven't fully flushed out this theory, but here here's my theory. Okay. I'm going to say it was Donovan. Okay. I'm going to say, no, nah, but he couldn't have gotten blood on his hand that way. All right, all right. For the sake of time, I'll stick with it. I'll stick with it. So Perot took Jimmy and Donovan to investigate the apartment at the end, right? I think he took both of them because he suspected one of them. Okay. And if he suspected one of them, and so, like, let's just assume it was either Jimmy or Donovan. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody, including Jimmy Faulkner, would be dumb enough to make an alias. John Frazier with the same initials. <laughs> You're giving him the benefit of the doubt there. Right. So that's that's kind of one thing that I can think of why it wouldn't be John Jimmy Faulkner. But... Mm-hmm. Okay, let me see if I can summarize my thoughts a little bit better. Damn it. (laughs) I'd like the listeners at home to know that we're at the 48 minute mark. So wherever we are actually in the podcast, you know how much has gone on in Michael's brain. (laughs) Damn it. See, I thought it was, I thought it was Donovan. I thought he was going to (laughs) frame uh, Jimmy because he wants Patricia and doesn't want competition. I, that's what I thought. Okay. Okay, let's go with it. I thought he was framing Jimmy with the stupid alias of John Frazier. And why don't you think that anymore? Because he smells the bottle of chloroform like some kind of dummy. <laughs> oh and my he God, goes to Michael. call the police. Okay, this is enough. I'm moving on. Michael, what about if Poirot, it was his bottle of chloroform? What if Poirot fake found it in the garbage bin? Why would he do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why he did that because he wanted Donovan to be a dummy and take a big sniff pretending that he was worried about him so that when he catches his body, he can pull something out of Donovan's pocket. Oh, that's pretty slick. Do you want to know what that something is? Is it, uh, what is it? It's a marriage certificate that Mrs. Ernstein had ordered to prove that her and Donovan were married so that she could show Pat that the man that she might be falling in love with is actually a two-timer. Oh, yeah, I don't think I would have guessed that. I'm <laughs> just, just letting it sink in. <laughs> no, it's tough. It's kind of, it's out there, right? You have to have a lot of inf- in- imagination to think of that one. I was imagining that the four, like, I was imagining that Ernstein was significantly older than the other four. Mm-hmm. I guess that's she has no that reason name that makes it sound like she's older. Well, she's also referred to as Mrs. Ernstein, right? Not because she's married. Shit. Mrs. just means you're married. Yeah, but it's also like sign of authority or age. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. That's why mm-hmm. I had the perception that she okay. was older than the other ones. No, that's totally fair. But it, it is. It's a. It's kind of a weird thing because in today's day and age, you're right. Mrs. Like Miss. Those titles don't mean much to us. But in the 1920s, if you're using the Mrs. title, you're married. And 
like if you're not then you're miss that kind of thing mm, never thought what about her husband mm-hmm right i don't think i did either the first time i read it so when, they, when do they talk about how he did it yeah, yeah yeah i'll tell you everything i just thought you wanted you would want to think about it more damn it do you want to hear the rest of it <laughs> yeah did i talk about how she lost her keys too Okay, yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. So at the beginning, Pat accuses Donovan of having her keys or Jimmy, but both of them are like, no, we returned it to you. In reality, Donovan had taken her keys from her and kept them and played upon her kind of forgetful personality to not remember that he still had them. And so they the the idea of the the coal shoot kind of got suggested just through like brainstorm of all of them talking and you're right in saying that the kitchen latch on the coal chute had been left open intentionally. And it's because he had set up, up an appointment with Mrs. Ernstein to talk to her earlier in the day. But it wasn't for 7.30. He had put that note in her pocket as a blind so that it would look like it happened at 7.30 when he had an alibi because he was out with friends at 7. Mm-hmm. So he goes up to speak with her, shoots her with a silencer, and then hides her body And he needed to hide her body because the marriage certificate hadn't come in the mail yet. It was going to come in the evening post. And so he needed a way to get back into the apartment and steal that letter with the marriage certificate so it couldn't come to light. Oh, and he did that when the lights were off. And he said, oops, the kitchen lights don't work. But they did. Yeah, exactly. So when Poirot, the first thing he checks is that kitchen light. He's like, huh, funny, it works. And then exactly what you said about how apartments should be laid out the same. He should have been able to turn on that sitting light immediate, the sitting room light immediately. But for some reason he was bumping into furniture. The reason was, is he was looking for that envelope so that he could steal it. Hmm. Cheeky. So Poirot kind of tells all of this to Jimmy because Donovan, like, you know, he has his chloroform and basically wakes up all groggy and ends up going home. And so Poirot's kind of able to explain to Jimmy everything that happened and basically tells him, listen, Pat, your friend Pat's going to be real devastated because she was kind of like starting to fall in love with Donovan. But girls can change their minds and she'll need a shoulder to cry on. So oh you go God. be there for her is basically what he says. <laughs> Man. <laughs> okay, how do you feel? How do you feel, Michael? Like they give you everything you need to be able to figure it out. But mm-hmm. who would guess that? <laughs> no it's really tricky but then you hear the solution you're like of course (laughs) yeah there's certain things that like you kind of take for face value right yeah like like him finding that bottle and him and the letter for 7 30 i was trying to place the time of death so that i could figure out like what they were doing and then i was also thinking like Mm -hmm. when you mentioned that the keys are lost yeah if the killer was Jimmy or Donovan, why would either of them keep the keys even though, like, why would either of them hide yeah. the fact that they have the keys? Because then they have to take the coal thing and then they run into the body. Like, wouldn't you want to hide the body if you were one of the killers? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. No, you're exactly right. And all of those questions are good to be being asked because their solution, their answers are part of what leads to the solution. Yeah. They are, they're all important. Yeah. Hmm. So that was a good one. I, I thought, you know what, Michael? I think you're on the right track. I thought a lot of your questions were really 
um, insightful. Like it felt like you were looking at the right things. Like when you're talking about <laughs> bumping into furniture and the kitchen shoot. Next time, baby. Astonishing <laughs> Bailey guy. He's real cheeky. So it, John Fraser is an alias yeah. then, right? Like it's just like a, a BS Correct. note. It was a blind, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he placed he placed that note with the initial JF and he placed the handkerchief as a as a as a blind. Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It's fun. <laughs> maybe maybe fourth time's the charm. Yeah, tune in next month in August, end of August, to hear Michael solve short story number four. See what happens. Solve. <laughs> if this if this story didn't quench your thirst for murder mysteries, you can listen to I think I have 12, 13 more episodes on the Tuesday Night Mystery Club podcast. You can find anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you want to see some pictures of the books uh, or anything else going on around the podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, you can shoot me an email at Tuesday Night Mystery Club at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me.